Welcome to Art of Retreat 2019, the parkour leadership and education retreat. We're in the Cascade Mountains outside of Seattle, Washington. I'm Craig Constantine from Movers Mindset, and I'm here with Steve Lern. Hey, everybody. Steve Lern is a marketer and product manager with experience growing companies both large and small. He takes his experience in large companies and applies that knowledge to help small businesses grow. Steve is currently working at an ad tech startup that is redefining new marketing opportunities. Welcome, Steve. Uh, thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Steve, your session was titled Growth Hacking Your Parkour Business, which I think is a really neat title because it really, from what I understand, it intrigued a lot of people. So first, I, we need to start by, can you tell me just briefly what your session was about and like give me the highlights of what everybody who wasn't here missed? Um, so Growth Hacking Your Business is uh, like really guerrilla tactics for uh how a small company can actually compete with much larger companies. And uh, growth hacking has become a really big thing in uh, small tech startups um, over the last 10 years, where you see uh, in, in the old days, you have, would have behemoth companies like IBM and Oracle, Oracle and Microsoft, and really didn't have much players uh, being able to compete with um, like companies that had more money and more people. <laughs> <laughs> than them, and I thought that was really uh, synonymous with the parkour business, uh, especially now with parkour uh, getting to uh, new, like you know, new popular heights, like with its extension with people thinking American Ninja Warrior and like all these obstacle course races and more shows than ever before, and then with uh, Fig wanting to come in and appropriate the, the sport, um, you know, I thought it was really appropriate. Like, well. I have a lot of experience doing this with small tech companies that were like understaffed. Right, facing these same obstacles. Same obstacles. And I thought, well, you know, maybe somebody would be interested in like applying some of these techniques uh, because uh, the parkour community here in America is facing the same mm. uh, dilemma as every tiny startup mm. did uh, in the early growth stages, right? How to, uh, you know, if you're a five, 10 person company uh, trying to, just come up with a business idea. And like most startup ideas in tech, they're not generally patentable, right? It's not usually like, because like um, the big guys learned really early on that- Patent everything. Right? Yeah, yeah, just patent everything. <laughs> Whether or not you're gonna build it, just own all <laughs> the IP it, right? and then like sue the shit out of anyone who comes across <laughs> your patent. Um, and, that, and, then, and that actually is a really horrible business in this uh, that still exists. It's called patent trolling. Yes, that's um, a, a major problem. I, I think it's predominantly caused by the, the way that the patent office works, which facilitates this and the way that the, 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 the judicial system plays out when that becomes an issue. But, oh my God, it, it's horrible. Um, so you know, think about this. You're a small tech company with an idea. So if you can't protect it with a patent, um, your worst fear is like a bigger player with more resources just straight out copies your idea mm -hmm. and has better reach than you do uh, and can essentially crush you, replicate you uh, right. overnight. So uh, growth hacking was really born uh, out of like uh, this need where- yeah, like self-defense. You know, self-defense or like if you've got something, maintain your edge, even if it's uh, a, a innovate, maintaining your innovator's edge. Mm -hmm. um, so that the large companies uh, with, with the resources you don't have uh, can't take it over. Now, interestingly enough, uh, large companies are now applying growth hacking techniques <laughs> because they just seem themselves just constantly work, right? out, outclassed 
Um, and it has a lot to do with uh, a lot of the mindset that comes in the parkour community, mm. which is really interesting because, uh, you know, as we all know here, uh, you know, all treasures are like have the growth mindset. You know, we embrace challenge. We, we learn. Um, yeah. So I want to uh, offer this to the community. So I know it's hard to condense an entire talk and session into like a few minutes. Um, but one of the things we're trying to do with the, these interviews is to break the fourth wall to get somebody who's listening somebody who's interested in this or who missed it and would like to hear something. Um, is there a particular thread that you think if, you know, if I had only ducked in for five minutes, what would be like the one thing that you really wish I had heard during your session? I'm, I'm thinking because there, there were a lot of useful tactics uh, that were there, but if there was one thing that I want every one of you to take with, if you want to build a business, you want to build a brand, um, it's a little meta, but it's having a clear understanding of your product market fit. Uh, and I spent the, the beginning session there, I even teed it up, that some of you may not want to hear this. Um, and it's, 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 um, it's a really big thing, uh, going back to the tech startup world. Um, in San Francisco, it's really great. Uh, they have a saying, if you've, uh, if you've failed 99 times, um, they call it experience, right? right? Um, and the learning that uh, tech startups have there is uh, they learn to fail fast um, and they learn, they discover very quickly if they have product market fit. Uh, and product market fit is really around, does the market you address, your community, uh, your, the area you're in, have a need that you can fulfill, right? Because those who want to do parkour, they've already found you. Parkour's by in its in, right. in its pure session, like is not a business. You already have the market that is available to you. Now, if you want to be a business, you have to adapt your business to fit a market that you, that is like right. is underserved or uh. And if you're not clear about your product market fit, all the tactics in the world mean nothing. It's a waste of money. You can get attention. And you've, you've wasted that tension because you don't serve a real need that people have. Um, and that was the number one uh, point uh, that I needed to land. That is, some of you, after doing this product market fit test, uh, might realize you don't have a business. Right. You take a long look in the mirror and not like what you see. And that's good. You've learned something. <laughs> yeah. If, if you don't have a small business, go find a business and, um, that is needed because this might not be viable for you um, to actually build a business around and build, put, put all this effort into. And work, I've, I've worked with a lot of small businesses and consulted a little bit. Um, I got out of the consulting gig because essentially when you go work with a small business owner and tell them they don't have product market fit, <laughs> you're telling them their baby's ugly. Baby's ugly, right. <laughs> and it's, it's really hard to hear, but it's, a, it's an honest truth uh, that uh, kind of working with a lot of VC companies, they VC, venture capitalists. One of the things they do is they read that truth back to the startup uh, person. Yeah, we're not funding you because, right? Yeah, your idea sucks. Nobody wants this, even though you think it's cool. Yeah. But what VCs also do is uh, they've stopped funding ideas. Uh, they've uh, now the new term is called incubators, right? Um, and they fund people. Uh, they said, "Well, we like what you want." And we like your like some aspect of you where we think 
you just need to come across the right market, and like we would apply you to、mm. any market that you'd be interested in going toward.、Mm. Um, so, you know, coming back to the point is that taking the growth mindset and not being attached to what you think is a good idea is the first thing, and listening to what's out there, what's available to you,、um, and actually what you think is your market or your competitor set is actually. Not your competitors. So、uh, I think so. I recall this one conversation with this one person, and、um, the the point of I was making a product market fit is that the market isn't what you think it is; it's what your customer thinks it is,、mm-hmm. and the competitive set, your competitors are not who you think you compete with. And it really isn't.、Uh, it probably isn't the other parkour company in your community.、Mm. Um, and the example I use is、uh, if you are in the in a hardware example. If I were Stanley selling power drills, and ask the the、uh, leader there and go, "Who do you think your competitors are?" Right, or, or actually, if I ask. Any one of you, and it's like, who do you think、um, Stanley, the Power Drill Company's、uh, competitors are? Most people go, hmm,、mm. probably the Walt、right. and all these other Power Drill makers.、Uh, and I would say, like, then you're absolutely wrong. That's when a company can only look from the inside out. They see themselves as a Power Drill company, so therefore, everything the market is Power Drills. Power Drills, right? So the so the insight is, customer is not how you see yourself, but how customers see you. And customers see you as、um, a job to be done, job to be done in their lives. So、uh, it's a great、uh, talk by、uh, Clay Christensen. He's a great professor in Harvard. He stole an idea、uh, and popularized it、uh, called jobs to be done. And the the gist of the Uh, of that theory is, people buy products or hire services so that they can make progress in their lives. And to discover product market fit or where the markets are is essentially to discover all the jobs people have to be done in their、mm-hmm. lives.、Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> your competitive set is really based on the job that a market need has. So, a power drill. In the market of, let's say, hanging up a picture, that's a job that people have to do, right? right? The job is hanging up a picture. So, when it comes to hanging a picture, you you one of your solutions could be a power drill. I'm going to nail, I'm going to drill a nail into the wall.、Hmm. Another solution is to a hammer or nail. Right. Another one is double sided tape. Now your competitive set now. Right, hammers and tape. Good、hammers、luck competing in that market, right? With a three hundred dollar drill. Right, but it's it's actually interesting because then you then you have to like better understand that market. Okay, well, what's the context of that job? Right. Okay, well, what if I live in a earthquake prone area? I'm gonna want to secure that painting、right. with a drill and nail, and I might want to position myself as. A drill, maybe designed differently, where I can be in art gallery, get into weird corners,、uh, work with specialized types of、uh, screws, fasteners, right?、Um, 
But if my market is, oh wait, I'm college students and apartment renters who can't put holes in their double-sided tape. But the job is, do you isn't, do you need a power drill? That's not a job. That's just a tool. But the job is, do you need to hang up pictures, right? And all of a sudden, um, a vendor that has maybe less of an industrial power drill that construct contractors use, uh, maybe it doesn't have as much torque or power. power capacity, like, well, right? you know what? It's a viable competitor for a market that isn't contractors, right? Right, and they can they can start getting into the market of like, oh, a lightweight drill that drills just is is perfect that has enough torque yeah, that yeah. doesn't over torque for pictures. Now they've repositioned themselves from a weak position comp- competing in the market of contractors, which like they'll probably lose at, to like be the best at a market where you know what. Having less torque actually yeah, makes a difference. Yeah, hand tools here, and small people can handle them, right? Yeah. So taking that analogy to uh, parkour business, uh, what job are you doing for your customers, and how do you discover mm. that? And what are the market opportunities that are related and tangential to yours? And it's not about exercise and movement, right? People do that. Yeah. For for outcome that they want in their lives, and if you if you if you clearly know what that is. You can build a solid growth hacking uh, technique on discovering, experimenting, connecting, and like refining your understanding of the job, and to verif- experiment and verify hmm. uh, those ideas. Um, and you know, pe- everybody's growth hacking everything. That Obama growth hacked uh, his election. Macron did the f- same thing in France. Uh, famously, every startup is growth hacking. Even large companies. Are trying to bring growth hacking mindsets into their uh, their organizations because it's extremely effective, extremely agile. You'll find out in one to three months if you've got uh, something worth um, growing, and it's all about building experiments that that systematically grow um, that job and discovering more jobs that you that you're handling. So that to me is like if you take away one thing uh, out of having coming from my talk or uh, going back to look at the slides, it, you know, it be crystal clear about what job are you doing for your customers as they see you, right? Not the way you see yourself because um, someone else did the job for you, uh, for you to have the business you have, which is growing parkour, right? We all are on the coattails of the Yamag and the early, the OG guys who built the culture, and they built the market that we live in. And all of us are just working to deliver this idea. And everyone who's come across that idea, who's self-selected that this is for them, you have them already. Right. Right. If you want a business, it's taking that idea and bridging what does that idea mean to that person's life, right? So um, from my personal experience, uh, parkour for me, I'm not an athlete, or nor do I aspire to be a gym owner. Parkour for me is community, mm. growth mindset. Uh, if somebody says, like, you get to have exercise and have a community, uh, I would advertise the qualities of the community so much more. Kind of, we sit in a YMCA camp. They are one of the largest organizations <laughs> in the world, and it's a community and a mindset that they're selling, right? That, they, that, that, that parents and other people want to opt into. Right. Uh, why isn't anybody monetizing that? All you business owners, somebody please do that, right? <laughs> Run with community. Um, and you know, and there's all sorts of other 
jobs that are being done that isn't the parkour business, isn't the uh, built strength and built joints and longevity, although that is a that, business that's in That's a different job that you could also pursue that one, but that might Absolutely. require you to still have a, I was going to say identity crisis, but you, you might discover that, well, no, wait a second. If you want to be producing that solution for people who are of a certain age, this is not what the gym should look like if that's what you want. They can't have screaming kids here when I come in to do my exercise. So it, it, the same the tool would apply there too. Absolutely, yeah. You, I mean, the the generations guys over in the UK kind of organically grew their jobs. Right? It went, went from parkour to like security testing mm -hmm. to like all these tactical. I mean, uh, they're, they're doing great um, kind of discovering and organically uh, being qualified for more jobs, and that was what's available to them in their community, right? right? If you look at your own community, you might not have uh, the tactical needs or whatnot and like right. take a good look at what you're there, and chances are, even if you're in the same community as another parkour business, you're, you're probably serving two different jobs because uh, there was a great example where um, I think Adam moved his gym uh, from one place to another and saw a 40% Sorry, Adam. Uh, drop in in his business. I uh, didn't mean to reveal your shit, um, but uh, the but the idea is that there was a certain shift in the job they were doing. Adam's uh, service was doing for that forty percent of the customers, and it might have been as simple as this is a great uh, baby uh, yeah, like after a school after school program, right? Right, and I needed that fulfilled. It wasn't so much parkour, right? But that now, was the now thing. that you're moved, it doesn't work for me because it's over there now, right? Yeah, it's not fulfilling my job and and how it fits into my life as they see it. And then there's there's still the challenge there of like just because those people don't want me to do that job, I may still be able to do that job for these people over here. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out in the long run. Like it might it might be better to switch, like just backing out away, or it might be better to decide, okay, I've moved, like in case of moving, yeah, maybe I want to stick with the same job. Like it worked really good over there. I just need to build it back up. But you might have to go back to marketing tactics that you used to be using when you yeah. first arrived in the market. Yeah, and th this is actually a great, this one. this one's for you, Adam. Um, a great research experiment that you can do, that 40% that you lost, ask them, you know, what job did, why did they used to come? And you might be, dis you might discover what it was. I, I guess that it was maybe uh, after the school program. Maybe it's something else entirely. And then you knew what you were doing for them in that segment and then start intentionally uh, looking to serve that need to say, oh, you know, uh, Kid disciplinary, kid, um, you know, hand coordination, whatever, all kinds of jobs. Yeah, or just like, yeah, or just like need something for your kid to do for two hours, right? Here's a facility and, and market to the adult too. Mm -hmm. Not like, hey, you know, um, you have like a lounge area for adults. You don't necessarily need to watch your kids the entire time. So it serves a job for them. Maybe like, I get a break for my kid and my, my kid comes back <laughs> tired, ready to eat dinner. I mean, some aspect of it, like, and I'm not saying make that your business. I'm saying recognize that parkour is in service to that for your customer. Right, because that's what we're talking about is marketing. Yes. Steve, I'm interested in knowing uh, if you had a vision, like when you started creating your presentation, if you had a vision of how you thought it would go, and then obviously having given the presentation, um, did you discover that it was different than what you expected or was there something surprising about how it played out? Definitely I'm uh, very surprised at how it played out uh, and how uh, the number of people that came back and came to me and gave me positive feedback after the session. I certainly didn't have that vision 
coming into um, even signing up to do a presentation. Uh, it took Caitlin a little while to convince me to do uh, a presentation uh, because I didn't really feel like, well, I had anything to offer. I'm not a gym owner or athlete or have any mm. experience in the business of parkour. Uh, so what, what could I possibly offer? And especially after some really brilliant talks from Dylan like two years back and mm. Justin last year around running a parkour business and as successful people who've done it right mm -hmm. uh, and made uh, some growth for them, I definitely had imposter syndrome uh, coming into <laughs> this presentation. Um, and Caitlin, reluct reluctantly, I, I accepted. I'm like, okay, she boosted me up. Um, and I gave, uh, I put together a presentation. And even then, I, I must admit, I tried to change the topic of my talk uh, last <laughs> minute. Because, weasel out. Yeah, weasel out <laughs> just to, I, I really didn't feel like anybody would care about like, you know, big business and uh, these yeah, or, like or even tech, like an application from small tech, small businesses that's in, that's in tech. Exactly. Taking it to a business that has next to no tech, it's all about the human body and phys, uh, physiology. So uh, I definitely can say I was very nervous uh, going up that like, what if nobody signs up? You know, it's a business talk at a uh, movement retreat. And, um, you know, I think what helped me was just like, I'm just going to facilitate a conversation. And I'm, I know I have a lot of experience and knowledge uh, in doing marketing and growth hacking for a large lot of different companies. Um, and I think what helped me most was like, I was so ready to just like after slide one, if none of the things I prepared was uh, going to be useful, I would have just turned off the slides and was like, let's just have a conversation sure. about marketing <laughs> business. And I know I can talk right. for hours on end uh, and and we, I was ready to turn it into a case study discussion mm -hmm. in a round table. Um, and I think Dan Edwards and Evan uh, Bayer, who kind of were the first two there, like uh, gave me a lot of like a last minute confidence boost. Thank you guys. Yeah, so my first uh, question is like, people showed up, I assume. Yeah, <laughs> like how many people showed up and how big was the session? Uh, uh, well, shockingly, um, my session filled up to the maximum capacity of 20 people. And I think more than 20 people Snuck in a couple of people that can I come? Yeah, and I'm like absolutely. The, the sneaking in is encouraged. Just like we we try to limit the twenty, but yeah, if you want to go, you really can. Yeah, that that was a uh, pleasantly. Um, I was like pleasantly surprised with that. Steve, is there anything else that um, maybe I haven't gotten to? We we've done like a nice deep dive on a particular takeaway, and we've talked kind of like the high level of your I'll say journey to come up with the session and bring it here to Art of Retreat. And I'm just wondering if there's anything else that springs to mind that you want to talk about before we move on. Yeah, I definitely want to add on the, for those, uh, some of you took my uh, talk and then some of you actually also attended uh, my open session on Saturday night. Um, and just remember a lesson that uh, you learned that I want to reiterate over and over again, that leadership and building a business, that we're not competing against each other, that we are actually here together and in competition this is the competition in our business and in our community is about lifting each other up and not taking from each other um and if you uh, attended my saturday session i want to re remind you that uh i talk about competitor piggybacking and growth hacking we're not hacking against each other but we're hacking to compete to lift each other up 
as a whole business, as a group together. Um, and uh, for those of you who did not uh, attend my uh, Saturday evening session, um, I'm not going to talk about it because uh, it's an experiential session that mm. if I tell you what happens, you won't actually get what it was meant from it. But remember the insight that um, even from the night mission, it's all about collaboration and working together. Mm. Even if your businesses are competing in open market space, that the c competition is designed, uh, if, you, if you do it right, to lift everyone up, not, not crush someone else. Mm. And uh, I just want us to all remember that. I know we all have businesses, we have bottom lines, and always feels in scarcity. But uh, to take a lot of the tools uh, in marketing and realize that, you know, you might be, you know, you're not all power drills. Right. Right. And we're all working together to serve different jobs. And uh, a slight difference of just a 40 minute gap between two businesses could lead to you serving entirely different markets and that you're not actually competing the way you think you are. And to remember that we're all uh, here to grow this thing together and bring out the best of us. I think that's a great, great insight. Steve, if people want to uh, catch up with you, uh, they want to learn more, they want to talk to you, they have questions about the sessions or they missed the session and want to find out, you know, give me the slide deck. How can they reach you? Um, I'm not going to throw my number out on a podcast, but uh, <laughs> <Probably> definitely <wise. laughs> uh, definitely uh, find me on the AOR uh, Facebook group. Um, chances are we'll probably have uh, 20 to 50 people Friends in common already being in this community. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, probably be easy to find. Uh, I spell my name a little differently on Facebook just to be a little, slightly anonymous. Uh, so it's uh, my last name is spelled uh, Lee, L-E-E, -E, capital U-N-G in two words just to uh, split it up because I, 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 it was a pun as to how people tend to pronounce it. I was like, it's one word. Why do people go Lee Young? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Terrific. Well, it was a pleasure to get a chance to sit down and talk to you. Yeah, thanks, Greg. It was a great experience. Thank you. You're very welcome. This was one of 23 interviews from the 2019 North American Art of Retreat. To hear the rest, check out Art of Retreat on castbox.fm. You can find out more about the Art of Retreat at artofretreat.com. Thank you for listening.